This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. For seven years, the Rich family was tormented by what many believed to be an ancient demon on their farm in the mountains of Wales. This farm was retroactively named Hellfire Farm after the terrifying events that haunted this family during their time there in the years that followed after they fled. This is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Demon of Hellfire Farm. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hale Farm, 1990. Liz sat on the couch, rubbing the swell of her pregnant belly. She had her feet up and chair reclined, but still couldn't seem to get comfortable. Her husband, Bill, was working on his latest commission in his studio. It was a portrait of the neighbor's beloved horse that they had paid in advance for. It was a godsend, as most of his recent clients had unceremoniously cancelled their orders for various unrelated reasons. Bill was spending most of his free time on the painting, so Liz hadn't seen much of him in the last week or so. When he had come out for brief intermissions, he was grumpy and complained about not being able to get the leg right or something like that. In fairness, Liz didn't mind the solitude. That is, until there came a knock at the door. Liz looked up at the clock. It was late for a visitor. She called to Bill, but rose to her feet anyways, knowing she'd just be ignored. She went to the front door and called out, Who's there? The response was another loud knock. Liz had an uneasy feeling, but proceeded to open the door anyways. She stepped back in shock. A man stood there, bleeding from a head wound. Liz instinctively clasped the neck of her shirt and asked if he was all right. The man didn't respond, just turned around and walked back into the rainy darkness of the night. Liz slammed and locked the door. Bill came out just then and asked what all the commotion was about, and Liz explained it to him. Bill opened the door, but the man was nowhere to be seen. The next day, Liz and Bill were sitting watching the evening news when they showed a picture of a smiling man. The headline at the bottom of the TV screen said that he had been killed in a car accident the night before, right down the street from Bill and Liz's house. Liz leaned forward and in a sudden outburst exclaimed, That's him. That's the man at the door last night. Bill shook his head and said that that wasn't possible. The news report said he was killed instantly, but Liz was 100% positive. The dead man had visited their home after his death. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Demon of Hellfire Farm. The Brecon Beacons, or Bennai Brichinjog in Welsh, is a mountainous region in Wales. Its towering peaks and rolling green valleys stretch across more than 500 square miles. 
The name dates back to medieval times, Benai meaning peaks, and Brichinyog being the name of the kingdom that governed the area in the 11th century. Civilization in Brecon Beacons predates the Roman invasion of Britain when the area was occupied by a Celtic tribe known as the Britons, most notably King Arthur, if he actually existed. Hale Venog is one area in the Brecon Beacons with a curiously dark history. It's believed by locals that at some point in its history, it was used for witchcraft and blood magic. The name Hale Venog means Road to the Peaks, and today, there sits a seemingly innocuous farmhouse. But this house isn't as harmless as it may appear to be. The house itself has a very disturbing history. The farmhouse was built in the 1950s, but the story I'm going to tell you starts in 1989, when Welsh artist Bill Rich moves in with his wife Liz and son from a previous marriage, Lawrence. As Liz was expecting their first child, the couple thought the isolated farm would be a perfect setting to start their family and raise livestock. It would also be a great place to inspire Bill and his artwork. Or so they thought. The events that led the family to live a nightmare for the next seven years would begin as soon as they move in. One of the first days after moving in, Bill was out walking the dog when he stumbled across the ruined foundation of an old building. Curious, he began poking around when he was startled by a gruff voice. Who's there? Bill called. Bill spun around to see an old sheep farmer standing by a tree. Bill introduced himself and informed the man, who introduced himself as Mr. Thomas, that he and his wife had just moved into the farmhouse at Hale Vanog. The man glared at Bill for a moment before speaking. Nothing good at that evil house, the man said. It's built on cursed ground, he added. Bill listened with skeptical amusement as the man went on about Celtic witches and human sacrifices before cutting the man off, thanking him for the information and heading back to his pregnant wife. He spared Liz the disturbing details of the encounter. The couple welcomed the birth of their new baby Ben just a few months after moving in, and it was then when strange things started to happen. Liz woke one night to feed the baby. Bill, who had also woken, got up and headed downstairs to use the restroom. While in the restroom, he was interrupted by a heavy stomping coming from the landing above. Figuring the pounding too heavy to be Liz, he checked on Lawrence, who was sound asleep. Confused, Bill went back upstairs to Liz, who was still in bed feeding the baby. He asked her what she thought could have made the stomping sound, and she just looked at him blankly. She hadn't heard any pounding at all. After that night, the stomping continued from time to time, eventually affecting Liz and Lawrence as well. But nothing would prepare them for what would happen next. Bill was going through some recent bills when he came across the latest electric bill. He all but had a heart attack when he opened it. It was 750 pounds, more than five times what it should have been for that quarter. Bill immediately called the electric company, who told him that there was no mistake and he did in fact owe the full amount. Bill decided to shut off the power to the house and test the meter so he could see if there was a discrepancy. To his surprise, even with the power completely shut off, the meter was still running at an unusually high rate. The electric company then sent out a technician to help identify the problem. 
The technician couldn't find out where the power was coming from and concluded that it was a mystery, but the family still owed the money because power was in fact being used. It was becoming very apparent to the couple that all was not what it seemed in the property. The disembodied footsteps throughout the house were being heard more frequently. Doors had begun to close by themselves and a putrid sulfur-like smell had begun to emanate from the kitchen sink. Convinced there was something otherworldly sharing their home, Liz decided to seek the help of another professional, the local priest. The priest came and blessed the house, and for a while, things seemed to settle down, but it wouldn't last. Liz woke one evening to the sound of growling under the bed. Assuming it was just the cat, she tried to ignore it and go back to sleep. But the growling got louder and louder, to the point where she figured it was too loud to be the cat. She rolled over and peered under the bed. The growling stopped, but there was nothing under there. Liz felt a chill creep up her spine. She got out of bed and went downstairs, where she found the cat sleeping peacefully on the couch. She was never able to figure out the source of the growling. One day, Liz, now pregnant with their second child, was returning home from a walk with the baby while Bill and Lawrence were in town picking up art supplies. Liz plucked Ben from his stroller and glanced up at the second-story window of the playroom. To her shock, she saw an old woman with gray hair standing in the window. Liz just stared in disbelief as the image of the woman dissolved into thin air. Just a few days later, Liz was in the barn when Lucinda the pig attacked her. The typically docile animal had quite suddenly snapped and began thrashing and squealing. Liz ran bleeding into the house to get Bill. The pig was raging around in the barn, and Bill couldn't even open the door for fear that the animal would escape and attack them. He ran into the house and phoned Mr. Thomas, the closest neighbor, to help. When Mr. Thomas arrived an hour or so later, the pig was still going in the barn. Mr. Thomas did the only thing he thought possible to solve the problem. The pig was completely overcome with madness. He retrieved his shotgun from the truck and put the animal down. Over the course of the next couple weeks, every other animal on the farm went mad and died. The pig, two cats, a dog, and all six goats, along with a guinea pig, died one after another. As if things couldn't get any worse, Bill went into the downstairs bathroom one day and found that the toilet had somehow dislodged itself from the floor and pushed itself up against the wall, pulling the tile floor up around the base. Assuming it was a plumbing issue, Bill phoned a local plumber who came out to take a look. But when Bill opened the door, they found that the toilet was sitting in its normal spot and there was nothing wrong with the tile floor. Bill explained to the plumber that he wasn't crazy, and the plumber reassured him that he believed him. He explained that when they had initially called him, he was hesitant to come out. He had been to the house before for the previous occupants about 20 years prior to install a heating unit. He had an apprentice with him at the time who outright refused to be left alone in the house. He claimed that while he was at the house, he always felt like he was being watched. He explained that he would have fired the kid had it not been for the look of authentic fear on his face. The same look, he said, that I see on your faces now. And that's not all, he went on. The homeowner, Mrs. Halborn, Marion was her name, I think. After the job was done, she called me furious. 
She came home to find all the radiators that we had installed had been torn from the walls. Every last one of them. The plumber explained that he went back and reinstalled them all. The next day she called again. The same thing had happened again. It happened to her over and over again until she finally moved out. With the increasing pressure of the mysterious occurrences at the house, a second child on the way, and work starting to dry up for Bill, naturally, the couple considered moving. However, with a nationwide recession in full swing, they simply couldn't afford to move. With debts mounting, they got cut off by their telephone provider and were forced to sell the car. Running out of ideas, the couple decided to reach out to a team of parapsychologists. After an initial investigation, the team concluded that the family were sharing their home with four entities. The elderly woman, two young men, and one other, much darker, ancient, non-human entity attached to Bill. Shortly after the couple's second child, Rebecca, was born in late 1990, for the first time, Liz saw a large shadow figure hovering in the doorway of the kitchen. This was the final straw, and the family packed overnight bags to go and stay with Liz's parents. While the family was away from the house, Mr. Thomas took it upon himself to contact a Baptist minister, David Holmwood, who agreed to visit the couple. Following a long conversation with the riches, the pastor concluded that they were dealing with a demon. A few weeks later, Pastor David accompanied the couple and they returned to Hale Vanog. He thoroughly searched the property and gathered everything that he thought could have had a connection to the demon. Having an interest in the paranormal, Bill's books on the subject were boxed up and loaded into the car. However, it was Bill's artwork that the minister found the most concerning especially those pieces which have a darker theme. The following morning, David stacked the books and paintings in his backyard, doused them in lighter fluid, and set them aflame. In the following days, the family moved back into the farmhouse, and Bill immediately withdrew into darkness, confining himself into his studio for hours upon hours, where he continued to paint disturbing images. The footsteps continued, and the children regularly saw the old woman in the corner of their bedrooms, intently staring at them. For Liz, this would become too much, and unable to persuade Bill to leave his studio, she once again took the children to live with her parents. Bill's mental health continued to decline while alone in the house, causing Liz to worry about him. One day, she returned to the house to check on him, and found the power had been shut off. Final demands for bill payments scattered across the floor, and strange drawings and scribbles adorning the walls. Bill was standing in the middle of the floor, in an apparent state of catatonia, whispering about dead bodies walking through the house. Liz had reached the end of her rope, and demanded that they leave the house for good. Bill ended up agreeing, but he never recovered from the mental anguish caused by his experience in that house. The couple ended up divorcing shortly after leaving, and shortly after that, Bill fell sick and passed away. The farm is now known as Hellfire Farm, after the horrific occurrences during the seven years that the rich family lived there. The demon attached to Bill presumably left the house with him, but the other spirits believed to reside there may very well still linger behind.
Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 111 of Hometown Ghost Stories. I am Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. I think the only fitting thing to do for the rest of this episode is Dave has to do it in the accent. For the you entire... want to bring an accent into the actual story as you're telling it, into the pre-produced section. During the discussion, you have to use the accent for the whole duration. We don't make the rules, but that's the rule. And we're joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. There we go. Perfect start. <laughs> Perfect start. But welcome in, folks, to our 111th episode. We are in a whole different country, going to Wales. And uh, this story is a crazy one with a whole lot of layers, and I'm excited to hop into it. Yes. Uh, so in chat asked what year this is. This took place in 1989, and it went through... 1996 when they finally moved out. I saw somebody else ask in chat what took them so long to move out. This was during a recession and also Bill was struggling selling his art and they financially couldn't afford to move out for a it's long probably time. Probably because he was struggling to paint legs. Struggling it was to lift the bill that was 750 pounds. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So this the story um, that we just shared with you for the first 15 minutes of the episode is about a third of the story that actually happened, maybe less. So uh, there's a whole bunch of meat to get into in this story. There's a lot of really wild things that happened there. In addition to the stuff that we already told you, they call this the Welsh Amityville because of how similar it is to that case with obviously some variances. But this one is pretty crazy. And if you're ready to get into it, you guys, we can do that. I don't know if you had more preamble to get to, Jesse. No, I, I tend to make that last way too long. Yes, that's fine. So we'll get right into it then. Uh, but first things first, this episode is dedicated to the great Anna Campbell, VIP patron for so many months. We are we appreciate you very much and thank you for all of your patronage. Hell yeah, Anna. Getting into it. All right. So this story actually starts out in Egypt a few years before 1989. So the Egyptian god Horus was the Egyptian sky god and the pharaoh of Egypt. He was the only child of Osiris and Isis, two central deities in the Egyptian pantheon. He would avenge the death of his father and become the pharaoh of Egypt. What does this have to do with Wales? Egypt yeah, where, is where, What is happening right now? North Africa and Wales is Western UK. The reason that this is relevant- We, we know is, you're bad at geography, but what the fuck is going on right now? I just crushed that geography. For some reason, it ties into the story. It, it actually does. <laughs> it actually does. So a few years before they moved on to the Hale-Vanog farm, Bill, Liz, and Bill's son, son, Lawrence, visited the pyramids. And after venturing to the structure's burial chamber, Liz witnessed these tiny lights like lasers shimmering on the walls. And right around the same time, Bill and Lawrence both were overcome by this horrible feeling of dread to the point where the three of them had to run as fast as they could to get out of the pyramid and when he was asked about it after the fact bill said it was fucking horrible that was his quote and he couldn't really explain the feeling but following this he was having nightmares and these nightmares lasted into their time at the Halvenog farm and the nightmares were he was plagued by a beaked or hooked nosed feature resembling the egyptian falcon god horus that's the god who supposedly guarded the tombs of the dead against unwelcome visitors now there's one thing that you can take away from this if you're familiar with how the Catholic Church operated after the Roman Empire is they basically take took every foreign deity from every religion and rebranded them as false gods uh, or demons. 
So if we think that there was something dark on Hill Vinog Farm that attached itself to Bill, some people think that it might have come from that Egyptian pyramid that they were at that one time. Yeah. Now, I'm not ruling that out. And I, I feel like that's kind of a go-to when people go into Egypt. They're like, oh, I must have gotten a curse from Egypt or from these pyramids or whatever. It's a very common thing. I'm not ruling out that it could have been a possibility. But the, the way it ties into the hauntings that happened at this farm, it doesn't add up to me. Now, I understand if you see the thing with a bird head or whatever. It was actually a pretty terrifying description of a demon. It was like the six-foot-tall ghost or spirit figure spirit figure uh it, it was this six foot tall thing it had a bird's head basically with the beak and there was other images where it just kind of had a beak for a nose or whatever that does it does kind of look like the a, a bird Egyptian two times the size of dave that's that is terrifying it is so i i can understand where you get that just from the look of it but as for the rest of the hauntings where they think it originated from whether it was a murder that took place or a different kind of violent act that took place at this at this farm it just doesn't really make sense as to why it would be an Egyptian curse. I feel like that's kind of just their, that was kind of like their excuse because they didn't really have a reason besides that. But to me, I, I don't buy into the, it came from Egypt theory. Right. That was one of the theories. There are several other theories that we can get into later, but that was just one of them. And it's kind of the first one that kicked off this, the situation before they moved into the Hilvenog farm. And then when they did move into it, the same description that she gave for the lights and the the pyramid was also happening around surrounding the uh, Hilfenog barn. So that's why they think that the one thing may have come, whatever is haunting there may have come from that pyramid. So you can't rule it out. It's possible. It is. The family moves to Hilfenog farm in 1989. And just a quick recap is they, they meet this guy at these old ruins and he tells them that the house was built out of gravestones from the cemetery at those ruins so or the the foundation of the house was and we see this a lot when we when we t cover different haunted houses that have the stone foundation it's sometimes they're built out of gravestones that they just find so that's something that you probably shouldn't do if you want your house not to be haunted and it's another one of the reasons that they think that this house could be haunted where else do we see that we saw it at a different location where they had cleared the area and demolished and, and they built the foundation of houses out of graves. I actually think it was Denver was a major one where that happened. It does happen from time to time, which is it's ridiculous. Even if, even if you're not worried about ghosts being attached to your foundation, it's not a cool thing to knock gravestones, gravestones down to build your house. Don't do it. One of the things I wanted to talk about with this ghost story was the ridiculous electric bill, which was, Yes. Inexplicably high. So 750 pounds, obviously we're in America, we're talking about money, not weight. <laughs> so yes, it was a very heavy phone bill, but they said, so that would translate to about 2000 pounds nowadays. I don't, I don't think they use the pound over there anymore. They use euros, but basically if you extrapolate what that was with inflation, it'd be around 2000, which is really high for one quarter, one quarter, three months. And they were basically, their argument was we couldn't possibly use that much energy like that am amount of energy does not exist for the appliances we have in this house so bbc actually did an experiment on how much energy would have to have been used to generate an electric bill that big for that short amount of time and they took the appliance that would use the most energy back then which would which was the washing machine and they measured how much energy it used for one hour and they basically just extrapolate that for one billing cycle in, eight, in 1989 
So the washing machine used about uh, 0.457 kilowatt hours for an hour. It multiplied that by the price per kilowatt hour in 1989, which was 5.124 pence. And then- we're, we're right with you. Yeah, <laughs> just, just stay with me. Basically, long story short, anyone who's an electrician will be like, oh, yeah, I understand all this. This is this is interesting. Um, they basically see how many times that goes into 750 pounds. And this tells us how many, basically tells us how many days, how many hours that Bill and Liz would have had to run their washing machine in order to generate that amount of money. And it came to 31,250 hours, which would be 1,302 days. So in order for them to generate a bill that high, they would have to run their washing machine nonstop for 1,302 days over the course of 92 days. <laughs> All right. Have we ruled out the idea that they were possibly running an underground secret laundromat inside their house? <laughs> and then they get their election, they get their bill like, I don't know. I don't know. It's either that. Or the nightclub that we've been running. <laughs> so. I just like there that you. we had to do Scott Steiner math to get there. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, they say me and all and all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Samoa Ghost, and that's simply not true. And then you just I'd go say, into whatever, the, Rob, whatever Rob, you said. I'd say, Rob, you're making wrestling references, and maybe not all of our fans like wrestling, but I think like 90% of our fans came from Chris Jericho's podcast. Know where our fans came from? <laughs> hey, at least 90% of our fans get electric bills. So that's true. That this is all that. relevant. But Which of our fans are not getting electric bills? I need to figure out that method. Yeah, seriously. I guess if you're in, a, in an apartment where utilities are included or solar. Yeah. Oh. Actually, yeah. Don't even get my mother started. Also, happy birthday to my mother. She'll get you started. Should you get her going on talking about solar and not having an electric bill? She'll she'll keep that conversation going longer than you want it to be. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. But, but the, the craziest part about this is they called the electric company. They're like, look. 750 pounds we all know that that's not right can we can we fix this and they, the electric company sent somebody out was like yeah this doesn't make sense but uh you still got to pay it but the power is still being used or the energy is still being used and they, right. they had actually checked the meters and while they had everything to they basically killed all the electricity in the house and the meters were still reading like full power or however those meters work and they were like yeah this this is adding up but sorry you got, you're gonna have to pay yeah <laughs> anyways yeah. crazy so that was one of the that was one of the first hauntings that happened at this house that was peculiar. They didn't consider it to be anything ghostly at the time, but as more and more things started to accumulate, the longer they lived in this house, they started retroactively looking at that saying, "Oh, maybe this is, maybe there is something paranormal that's making this electricity go crazy." So some of the other things that happened earlier on was they hear the stomping around upstairs and they could never figure out what the stomping was coming from. But when they started to suspect that the activity might be demonic, they thought that the stomping was the demon. So sometimes they'd hear the stomping. Sometimes they'd hear the shuffling of feet. I think the stomping was the demon itself looking at the electric bill. Maybe. Being <laughs> like, what? What is happening here? It does sound like what I do when we get a big electric bill, just stomp around the house. <laughs> I know. I know. Our electric bill went up too recently I, st I stomp around the house and be like how could this be and then i look around my office and there's just a million lights going on and <laughs> seven computers running at the same time i know my like, god who's doing this kids are you leaving the tv on we had to build a nuclear plant just to run our three setups here yeah i stomped my way down into my underground laundromat i'm like demanding answers like hey you running these things 24 7 again liz claimed to see this apparition on five different occasions 
Now, she never told the kids because she didn't want to alarm them. But little did she know, the kids also saw the ghost all the time. And they would always see her sitting in the chair in the corner of the room. The kids had no idea that she was a ghost. They just thought she was an old lady who would sit in the room and watch them from time to time. Literally just thought she was just like a babysitter or something. They thought they were, they were seeing this old lady and they had assumed that maybe it was like a nanny or some sort of situation where their parents hired them. But because their parents never said, who's that old lady? They assumed that the old lady was supposed to be there. Because if the old lady wasn't supposed to be there, the parents would have said something. But this obviously freaked everybody out later on when they're like, yeah, there is an old lady who is in our toy room all the time, all the time, just sitting and watching them. And while that sounds like the creepiest thing of all time, it also makes me wonder, is this actually an evil spirit or is it just the spirit of a grandmother who wants to look after the kids? You know, that's right, kind of well, what it strikes me as. Let's backtrack because as we know, all old people are creepy to begin with. So whether it's a demon <laughs> or an old person, it's creepy. All right. Right. The other thing is, and because we do say, yes, it is creepy. Yes, old folks, you know, they can be creepy. All of them. And, <laughs> but at the same time, if the kids were scared of this old woman, they would have said something sooner, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this must have been a kind spirit or a comforting spirit to a point where the kids aren't creeped out by the old lady who's just sitting in their toy room. So the kids were creeped out, but in they, the, the lady didn't have a negative presence or it wasn't like an angry presence or a threatening presence, but they said it was a very sad presence that she looked very sad all the time. So the, the daughter Becca was doing an interview somewhat recently. And she said that she was very uncomfortable around the old woman apparatus apparition and um, that it was not a pleasant experience. They didn't say anything to their mother because they were, they were pretty young at the time. Both kids were born after 1989 when they moved in but they uh they grew they grew up these they used to see the the ghost more in the later years there was a third son also who was bills lawrence and he was a teenager when they moved in but he ended up this is kind of weird so the, when they had the parapsychologist come in and check the house out the parapsychologist was like you have something demonic here you need to get rid of whatever it's attached to and we think it's attached to your son send your son away so bill sent his son to either it was either military school or a boarding school against his will. He didn't, the kid didn't want to go, but he, Bill was like, the parapsychologist said that you have a demon, so you got to go. <laughs> this is how you get rid of your kids, people. Yeah. You want to get rid of your kids, you bring a parapsychologist in. Dave, both your twins, gone. gone. Military oh, yeah. school yeah, in they Wales. Didn't, they, didn't in Wales. <laughs> they didn't make the cut. It's funny because they watch and listen to the show, so now they know. But, I know. Uh, did you mention in the episode who the investigator was, one of the paranormal investigators that they brought in? They brought in a pretty big one. He, the one, if you're referring to who I think you are, they, they, he didn't, this wasn't the one who sent, who sent the kid away. Okay. So I'm, I'm further in the timeline when my man Morris Gross shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Morris. If you guys remember the Enfield episode, Morris Gross. Yep. Yeah. He got called into this situation. He, he got did. struck he by lightning. Maybe I'm here? exaggerating. <laughs> no, one of the pieces of evidence that Morris ended up getting, I'll let you continue with the timeline, was on a recording, it sounded like lightning, like a big electrical strike hit the actual recorder. Now it's just a voice recording, so who knows what that could have been. But that was like the biggest and strongest piece of evidence, as far as I know, that that he got there. So 
but I just love it. I mean, the same guy from the Enfield Poltergeist case. If you haven't listened to that episode and you really like accents, then go back and listen to that one because we were obnoxious. Yes. <laughs> Rachel asks, does the kid still have the demon attached? This is the kicker. So the same parapsychologist came back later and was like, we're wrong. Your kid does not have a demon attached to him. Bill has a demon attached to him. Now he needs to go to boarding school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it turns out they just work at the boarding school. They just try to pick up recruits. Like, I'm sorry, you're an adult. It's going to be a lot more money. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a big oops. So maybe don't always trust the parapsychologist with their parenting advice. But, True, so, but, but you know, do boarding school first and then ask questions later. That's what we yeah, always say. Always. I mean, but get rid of your kids if you can. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> just get them out of here. Rob, don't get rid of your kids. Get rid of your old people. Yeah. <laughs> This is actually why Rob has no family. He's just sent them all off to board. <laughs> they're all in Wales. He's, they're probably possessed by demons. We don't know. Oh, man. So this ghost woman, the old ghost lady, was, they believe it was the ghost of Marion Halborn, who was the lady who lived in the house 20 years prior, who had all the radiators ripped from the walls so many times, which was just another insane story. But the reason they think that is because a, pic, a picture uh, resurfaced at some point that Liz had found. And it, what she said, she's like, this is the lady. This is the ghost. Who is this? And she took it to the landlord. And the landlord was like, this is Marion, who used to live here. And it turns out that when they, because they were renting this house, they also rented a lot of the furniture with it. And that chair that the kids always saw the ghost sitting in was Marion's chair. So they feel pretty strongly that that old lady ghost is the ghost of Marion Halborn. Ah, okay. So this is very much like Enfield. Yeah, the haunted chair. Yeah, you have the chair and everything, yeah. Because you have the chair and everything. This is like... I died in the chair in the corner. That, that <laughs> voice still creeps me out. Oh, dude, that's some of the creepiest some of the creepiest audio recordings that we've ever played on this show. Yeah. Absolutely is. So the English are pretty consistent with their, their hauntings here, with the chair and haunting after the fact in the same vicinity, so... Captain Mc, yeah, Captain brought up a great a great point about that. It was um, this was earlier. He said maybe they installed afradiators by accident. <laughs> <laughs> this is when the the haunting starts to turn violent, and when they, now they start to lean more towards they think this is somewhat demonic. So not long after giving birth to their baby girl, Liz was doing a task every mother does, putting the baby down for a nap, as she sang her newborn infant to sleep. The otherwise peaceful and sweet scene was broken when the door to the bedroom violently slammed, awakening the baby and terrifying Liz. On another night, while attempting to take a peaceful, much-needed respite from the haunting, Liz was physically attacked in the bathtub. Rough hands grabbed the woman and pushed her down into the water, attempting to drown her. Jeez. Yeah. Yikes. That's a tough I'd, one. I'd still be more pissed off about slamming the door when the baby was falling asleep. Uh, I know. That's just a dick move, bro. That's a dick $3, electric bill would still be the one that <laughs> I'd, I, I'd want you to drown me after I got the $3,000 electric bill. Or the years that I lost with my child when you convinced me to send him <laughs> off to boarding school. There's, a, there's another theory about that. Back to that, sending him off to boarding school. Bill and Liz were starting this new life with their new marriage and their two new babies. And the theory was they wanted to, there might have been some arguing back and forth about getting the other son out of the situation so they could focus on raising their new family. So mm. that's also possible. And then they just mm. use the parapsychologist as an excuse to get rid of them. And it brings up a good point, which is don't bathe in haunted houses. Or you can just go with Rob's strategy of don't bathe ever. <laughs> <laughs> Only showers. Only showers. Fair yeah. enough. Nice recovery. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> On another night, while the couple slept, they are awakened by the unmistakable sound of the door opening. As they peered into the darkness, they could make out a skeletal hand holding the door open. When the hand slammed the door, Bill turned on the lights, and their eyes were met with an unimaginable horror. A figure dressed in a dark, black, hooded robe loomed over the bed, glaring down at them. It only vanished after they both let out blood-curdling screams. So this was the, the second instance where this dark, cloaked, hooded figure showed up. The other time was when Liz saw him in the kitchen, and then they, she subsequently was like, we're out of here. They moved out temporarily in with her parents to get out of the house. And that was when the neighbor, Mr. Thomas, came in and brought the priest. The priest's name was David something. And he he basically came in and he was like, he wanted to collect everything that possibly could have the demon attached to it and stack it out back and burn it. And that was including all of Bill's books on the occult that he was interested in and also all of his dark paintings that he had made. Yeah, you see this in... Ed Warren talked about it a lot, mark that off your bingo cards, which was whenever they would go into a situation, it wouldn't just be, oh, you bought that creepy artifact from a yard sale. This might be tied to the occult. This might be what's bringing in a dark presence. He would purge everything from the house, any books on the paranormal, um, any kind of pentagram, like, like any kind of thing that wasn't holy. They'd be like, get all of this stuff out of the house. So my entire living room would be gone. My entire office would be gone. I have nothing but haunted you know, stuff about haunted stuff all over my house. That would be, that'd be upsetting. But that's uh, that was part of the strategy with with purging the house because it was like even if you do get rid of one haunted object, it may have binded itself to others. That was kind of one of the theories at the time. Yes, it is, and that's what they did. So this is when the pig attacked Liz, and then all of the other animals subsequently died. And this is weird because if it was some sort of sickness, then it typically would. Let me just stop you there. Yeah, it's it's it's. The internet is rough. What Dave is saying is if it started with the pig in which this, this is actually kind of amusing to me was, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously the whole situation sucks because you have um, animals dying, but it started with them. They're like, our pig has gone insane. And it's like, when you look at a pig, I don't know how you differentiate between a sane pig and an insane pig. Maybe if it's like walking on its hind legs and, I don't know, grabbing the kids and being like, you mustn't go in the water or something like that. I don't know. Like that's an insane pig, but I don't know what a sane and like, how do you, how do you No, we're making money with that pig. If yeah, that's happening. Yeah. We're going on the road. Man. Charlotte's web situation happening. We got or circus. Yeah. yeah we're, but... we're calling PT Barnum, like getting that whole situation going. I have an insane pig. <laughs> he won't leave. He keeps hanging out at the playground and, throwing snacks at children yeah he's just he's insane just, yeah he just keeps playing extreme sports space spends way too much time at the public library that's what insane people do right <laughs> so yeah that's uh that is concerning but but what the scary part of that story is and the sad part of that story is and what dave was saying and you're in it looks better now but as i say that you look frozen again but the the pig died and whatever this thing had transferred around to the other species and that doesn't typically happen with with most animals, depending on the illness, I would assume, where all of the livestock start acting weird and then dying. So it's, it's a concerning thing for sure. All right. We're going to quickly segue into the horse painting. So I, I referred to this in the beginning, very opening story that Bill had been painting this picture of a horse. And what happened was is Mr. Thomas, the neighbor, commissioned Bill because Bill was not, uh, he was struggling with work. People were canceling his his commissions, his art pieces, 
And he was a pretty big deal. He was doing pieces for, I think Sylvester Stallone was one of his clients and he was making a lot of money with his art. So when people started canceling, then he started really struggling. So the neighbor basically out of like a, just a gesture of kindness comes over and was like, this is our beloved horse. We'd love to pay you to paint a portrait of him. So Bill says, all right, great, let's do it. And he picks out a spot on the near the property. There were neighbors and they, he picked a spot and was like, this is a good spot. I'm going to paint the horse here. But he struggled with the horse painting because he just couldn't get the back right leg right. It looks weird. He kept saying, it's like, it looks like a little kid drew it. Everything else looks great. And all I picture is like that meme where you have like the front of the I horse looks really good. And then it ends <laughs> off with like, a, like a pencil sketch drawing. He couldn't get it. Finally, his, his wife, Liz, comes over and says, it looks fine. It's perfect. They're going to love it. And they did love it. He gave him the picture and they paid him and it, everything seemed good. Until a short while later, he gets a phone call from Mr. Thomas, who was not happy. And he says, my horse died suddenly. Like the leg, the leg, his leg broke and he basically died from the infection that was caused by oh the actual wound. horse the actual horse died. no just the painting i literally thought in the painting you meant he was pissed off about the painting because all of a sudden the painting changed to the painting of a dead horse i'm like that's the coolest story i've ever heard yeah that would have been cool but no the actual horse unfortunately passed away and it died from an infection and he's and bill said i'm so sorry to hear and he said you should be because it died in the exact spot that you painted for the background, that spot that you picked, he died in that spot. And uh, Bill said- You never hold the painter accountable, unless the horse was murdered in that location. How'd the horse- do you know? Do you know which leg broke? The one he couldn't paint? Yep. Still not his fault. <laughs> was no, that the painter's I mean, fault? It's always the painter's fault. From my, from my personal experience, if you know painters, they are the worst people in the entire mm. world. And for it's always their fault. For all of the painters listening, he's only saying that because Dave does do painting as a job. Yes. So yes. when searching for help, Liz contacted a number of medium spiritualists and clergy. When they visited, they picked up on some unnerving history that occurred on the property. According to them, the cause of the haunting came from three sources. One was a des the desecrated gravestones, which they were already aware of. And then second, a vicious murder that took place in the property. In 1940, or I'm sorry, in 1848, a young farmhand was killed by a friend who hit him in the head with an axe and buried him on the property. Now, this yeah. story has an interesting wrinkle in it. So I think later, in, later on in the investigation, somebody like a, a medium made contact with this, uh, the murderer's spirit. Did you hear about this, Dave? No. Okay. So when she made contact with this kid's spirit, he was basically like, he was all torn up about it. He's like, he was my friend. And he's like, I was blackmailed into the doing this. And they said that, I don't know what the motive was, but whoever had basically hired him to do this was like, if you don't kill him, we're going to kill your family. And he was even afraid once he got found guilty to admit to it in prison and he basically took it to his grave. And he was one of the spirits haunting the property as well as his victim. And this is all just coming from a, a medium that came up with this uh, whole story. Could be true, could be absolutely made up, but that was kind of the story with that spirit. But the murder was apparently, I, I don't think it was legend. I'm pretty sure this was verified. And not only that, the graves also had some validity to them. Apparently, relatively recently, there was some sort of a dig that went on where they came across at least three uh, gravestones. So they believe that there was actually a gravesite 
or a graveyard of sorts on this property that could have been disturbed and it could have been the cause or at least one of the causes for some of the hauntings here. Yeah, it's definitely one of the ones that they attribute to the possibility of causing the haunting. And it's uh, it's valid. And that was, it's not just a rumor that was an actual murder that happened, verified. Mm-hmm. And, but that whole that whole other story of, you know, he was blackmailed into do it, doing oh, it, right. we, we have no we have no evidence to say that's true or false. Right. I think the story not from the medium was that it was completely random and unprovoked and everyone was shocked when it happened. Yeah, I think if they were friends, then that news would have came out and people would have known that like, wow, I can't believe his friend killed him. But if it's completely unprovoked or completely random, then it was it was not a friend, at least if I'm understanding you correctly. So there's one more theory behind the hauntings. And this theory is thanks to a guy named Dickie Dodds with his dowsing rods. Oh, <laughs> Dickie yeah. Dodds with his dowsing rods? Yeah. He should yeah. start his own dowsing rod company, Dickie Dodds Dowsing Rods. <laughs> I think that's what he is because he showed up because this story started getting real big in Wales at the time. It started basically, it got legs and everyone started talking about it. And this guy came from Miles because he was a dowsing rod expert. And he's Hell like, yeah. I, let me let me add it. So whales and Brecon beacons are in particular are is considered to be the hotbed of ley line activity, according to these who believe in their existence. There are a slew of rivers, ancient monuments, beacons, and springs that crisscross the area. So pro dowser Dickie Dodds shows up with his dowsing rods and he finds positive and negative energy running under the house. And these can these include a quote unquote black stream that ran uh, immediately under the cottage. So late trackers believe that when radiation from the earth passes through water, it can alter its frequency and become harmful to people, even deadly. And it was detected that one of these black streams ran directly beneath the cottage's electricity meter. Oh. That could have been part of the reason that the uh, electricity was going crazy. But if they think that there's this negative energy, this actually proves, in my opinion, one of two things, right? Ley lines we know are closely associated with hauntings. And number two, if there's radiation poisoning coming from the rocks, which is a real thing, I actually have a remediation system for radiation coming through the rocks underneath my house. And that could be messing with their brains. That could be making them crazy, making them hallucinate, making them see things. So it's actually, it could be, it could go either way, haunting or natural occurrence. Yeah, I I agree. I think it could have had something to do with it. And dowsing rods, whether or not you think they work in par- paranormal investigations, even if they're Dickie Dodds dowsing rods, those are the best for paranormal investigations. But regardless of that, they've been using these for hundreds, if not thousands of years to find water underneath the ground and things like that. So it, it definitely worked in this situation. And Dickie Dodds dowsing rods never fail. I wonder if in that stream there were any cods. Could have been Dickie Dodds dowsing rods finding cods. Oh, that'd be awesome. Good old freshwater cods. Mm, maybe you fi- could have found ancient gods. Oh, ancient gods or Dickie Dickie Dawes? Dickie Dawes, ancient gods. (laughs) (laughs) I guess to kind of wrap this up, they they had the house exercised numerous times. They had numerous different priests, mediums, paranormal investigators, uh, parapsychologists all try and solve this problem. The problem with the demon was never solved. They ended up fleeing the house. Their marriage fell apart and eventually Bill died. So not a happy ending. Have we gotten any follow-up from people that have lived there after the fact or no? Yeah, both uh, Lawrence, the son, and Becca have done interviews recently, and they talk about basically their experiences, and they they basically verify everything. No, there's nobody out there saying that any of it was bullshit. 
but it's uh yeah there's there's a really good multi-series podcast on it from bbc called the witch house highly recommend it it was excellent and um i got a lot of this information from that i think i think the haunting here is legitimate and like the the potential demonic possession with the husband is concerning because as he is kind of losing it and the family moves out when she came back to see him his condition was alarming so he was no longer painting his horses or painting anything that he used to paint it had turned into him painting these like mutilated corpses and trees and all sorts of just dark demonic images on his paintings and some people thought maybe because he was in a haunted house and his regular paintings weren't really selling anymore that maybe he thought he could capitalize on the guy who's in a haunted house painting the demons inside the house or something like that but they just weren't selling and he was he was losing it. He wasn't eating. He, they said when, when she came into the house and, and found him in the condition he was, he was pacing around the house, mumbling to himself, talking about dead bodies, the dead bodies, the dead bodies, just in an absolute trance, not paying attention to anything, just wandering around the house, just murmuring about dead bodies. And it's, it's such an alarming thing. And you wonder, was this a stage of demonic possession or was his life just spiraling out of out of control because the wife left him with the kids and, and got out of the house. I don't know. This isn't the first time we've heard this type of story. Some of the details are a little bit different, but the the timeline like kind of adds up. It's this is Amityville, right? Like this really reminds you of Amityville for for a lot of it. And there's another story. God, I wish I could remember which one it was. Jesse, I think you covered it where it, it was the same thing until the wife finally just pulled her and the kids out of the house. Oh yeah. The summer wind mansion. Very summer similar. Mansion. Yep. It, it sounds just like the summer wind mansion. So we're seeing consistency amongst these types of stories where it's infecting one of the parents. Usually so it's been the dad, but I think it, I think we've had somewhere it's the mom as well. And you just see the escalation throughout the years. Really. It's not, some Amityville was relatively fast, but a lot of them are the escalation happens throughout multiple years and they seem to have the same outcomes at the end, generally. Yeah, Dave, you're our resident expert on demonic possession. What stage of possession would you assume he was in towards the end of the story when when he was basically just painting demon art and and talking to himself about dead bodies? Sounds like oppression. It doesn't sound like it was a full-on possession yet because those are seemingly obvious. That's when the, the demon completely tra- takes over someone. And he sounds like, but he sounds like he was heavily into the oppression stage, which is right before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know how much I buy into just having an interest in these things really played a role in this when they said like, oh, he had these, these books on the occult and he had an interest in the occult. I don't know. Maybe it would open yourself up to it a little bit, depending on how seriously you take that stuff. And I guess it depends on what you have those books for, but I wouldn't rule it out and I guess it could, it could have played a role, but it feels like it's reaching, right? We, we talk about this. It's like, you're, you're reaching for any answer, especially if you're skeptical or just trying to come to some sort of logical conclusion. Like, Oh, he has books on the occult. He must, he must've invited it in. Basically. It's like, I have books on stuff that I just find interesting. It doesn't mean I'm trying to fly away in a spaceship. Kind tomorrow. of. But all right, put it put it this way. A few years ago when you had a massive addiction to adult magazines, the first thing me and Dave did was we went into your house and we took out all the adult magazines, right? 
where was I buying adult magazines in 1989? <laughs> I was time traveling to get these, Jesse. Yeah, when you were 23 years old in 1989, we came into your house and we put our foot down. We're like, enough, enough. Two-year-old Jesse was like, enough. I was still taller than Dave. <laughs> but yeah, that's the uh, that is the Hellfire Farm haunting. Very uh, very scary. Yeah, they put a scary name on it, so they definitely branded it correctly. They sure did. <laughs> yeah. What was it called before it was called Hellfire? Hailfenog. Still care. Still scary. It's literally the same thing. It's still the same words you said, just with an accent. It means road to the peaks. It's just talking about mountains. All right. Peak demonic possession. Oh shit. Yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. When I first heard Hailfenog, I, I was like, oh, that must mean hellfire in Welsh. That's what it sounds like, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was literally what I thought was gonna happen. Yeah, there, yeah. it's not. <laughs> All right, do we want to get into some five-star reviews? Yeah, let's hop into it. All right, this first one is from Nathan's Girl, titled Love This Show. I listen to a decent amount of podcasts, but this one is my favorite. I not only love the content, but I love the banter between you three. Easy to listen to with great stories, and I look forward to every episode. Thank you for putting some so much time and effort into these shows. And the next one is from Gina V., Came for the ghosts, stayed for the laughs. There are so many paranormal theme podcasts out there. I assume this one would be part of that dime a dozen experience. Not so. These guys have interesting variety of topics, along with hilarious banter that makes me feel like I'm having fun with friends. Check it out. So thank you Love to it. both of you for those five-star reviews over on Apple iTunes. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, let's thank our patrons real quick for the VIPs. We have Dave D, Kate and Steve M, Blazora, Glitter Tees, Cami from Washington, Jennifer P, Dakota G. We have Nick, Donnie N, Inspires Gaming, who also just had a birthday. It's happy birthday, Inspires Gaming. Allison V, Robert H, Anna C, who this episode is dedicated to, right? It was Anna? Yes. Anna, boom. Congratulations, Anna. You're amazing and you deserve it. We have J9. We have Mallory K. I'm sorry, Mallory K. I said that with like a Midwestern accent. We have Mallory K. Mallory K. Demon King. We have Mom and Pops W. Happy birthday to Mom Wilkins as well. So many birthdays. My goodness, we're all getting old. Uh, We have Lisa J. And we have You've Been Bad. (laughs) Moving on to the Warren's Wards. I'm going to carry uh, it that reference came in early. I love it. <laughs> we have Nefarious Chad Poles. We have Wahidi Pirate. I hate Rob. Eugene M. Arcade Hunters. Siobhan, not Sharon. Kath Q. Liz Young. DC. Chris Connolly. LBPS Founder. Next. HTGS Guest. The other Rachel B. Sarah Cook. Stitch Kitten. Amby Rose. Janice G. Lily. Rachel B. And we have Dave's Internet. Be like. Bzz, ah, bzz, <laughs> ah, bzz. <laughs> As well as Mary Mary on the wall, I'm the prettiest worm of all. Papa Squatch, Jake V, parapsychologists hate kids, seniors, and there's a symbol that that Patreon just can't figure it out. So that's Steph A. We have loving it as well. So thank you guys so much for being in the Warren's Wards. Next up, we have the Ghost Pirate Mafia. And starting that one off, we have Cold Warrior. Thank you so much for being here and hanging out in chat. Love to have you. We have Rob's ghost will wander aimlessly around the great state of Ohio for all of eternity. (laughs) That sounds like a fact. We have Engineer McTibble's masturbatory bacon from Huska, Ohio. We have D from H-Town. Dave, how do you say this one again? Meta-Os. Meta-Os. We have Sarah B., 
Dominica, we have Queen Chan's Revenge, Angel F, Monster Mom 04, Lacey, Ellie, Dark Snark, Dark Snark, Rob Hates Ohio, yet is literally the poster child of Ohio, Megan S, Morgan S, said in Dave accent, Ghosts, yay. <laughs> Mark Twain and the Haunted Grape, Julie S, Sharon V, Wayne C, Kelly C, we have Rob, looks like he stalks Amish looking for a wife. Crystal Quinn, Aaron A, Mina H, Colby, Daddy Rob's Not-So-Secret Dirty Magazines. Sorry, that was very fast. <laughs> Fastest I think we've ever had. We have Alicia E. We have Samoa, Ghost, Allegedly Poorly Yeeting Thick Boy, Freddy Down the Poorly Haunted, Robwell. I like just calling it a Robwell. That's perfect. We have Dickie Dodds, Dowsing Rob's Disrupting Dave's Dialogue. <laughs> yes. That might be the best one. Be the one. Good one. Dave's Internet being run by an insane pig. <laughs> also great. Fuck yeah. Sam from Nepal, Joe R, Paul from St. Louis, Al Capone, Huggy Bear, Rob still loves Ice Cube suppositories, Solar Flare, Mariah M, Carolee J, Anthony, I don't know what Jesse gets paid, but it isn't enough T. Please never change that name. We have Cody G, Brandon W, Hooper the Hellhound, a Pembroke Welsh Davi. All right. So found what that means. We love you, but I don't know what that means. A Pembroke Welsh Probably David Davi. I feel like you gotta say it like that. Davi, Davi, Davi. And we have Herbert Gerbel Slizen from Yerberling Derber Derbenberg. <laughs> That's gotta be Andrew. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Shout out to Annie's Art Studio. If you guys like art and art videos, go check her out. She is an actual celebrity hanging out in chat. Thank you for spending the time here. Uh, once again, huge shout out to Papa Squatch, Matthew T, and Velcro Fish Sticks for joining and gifting memberships on YouTube, as well as some asshole named King Coakley for gifting 20, I suppose. We'll thank you as well. And you probably gifted it with our money. Probably. I, I don't, actually. Don't. I actually don't. don't. What are you doing? I do. <laughs> I know you do. What an idiot. <laughs> That's crazy. On Friday, we're going to review the movie The Gate for our horror movie review make sure you go uh subscribe to that youtube channel htgs reviews and also on friday we will be in texas as we were mentioning during our abnormally long intermission in the middle of the show so if you're in the austin area shoot us a message or something and let us know if you want to link up and uh, we'll try to make that work so i think that will pretty much do it and uh we'll be back next week for a brand new episode join us on friday thank you guys for sticking with us we love every single one of you we'll see you